Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble. Little squat man leaves it for dead. There's Beckham in the ball Welcome, everybody, to your second Captain's World Cup quarterfinal roundup. One or two fairly juicy stories have developed around some of the biggest names in the sport since we last talked. Hey, Murph. Hey, Ud, how's it going? Who could possibly have imagined that four World Cup quarterfinals could contain this much drama? It, they probably always do, but this felt pretty amazing the last You've couple of nights. You've got Leo Messi completing his metamorphosis from reserved, unknowable football genius to wild-eyed, gesticulating, Maradona-level <laughs> shithouse. Messi's great rival, Cristiano Ronaldo, sent home in tears by Morocco in what might be his last ever meaningful game of professional football. There's Neymar blowing his golden chance to win the World Cup against a Croatia team that just does not know when it's beaten. And Harry Kane both equaling the England goal-scoring record and then missing the penalty that will define his entire career in the same half of football. It's Kane. It's blasted over the bar. And it's penalty heartbreak for the England captain. Yeah, it's been quite the weekend for varying reasons for all those superstars. But there's one man who literally towers over the rest. He may have ended up on the losing side, but for me... He lost was, nothing in defeat, though, did he? <laughs> he lost absolutely... This was Vout Veghorst weekend, and that's from a Vincent Janssen man. <laughs> Goldmeiners legt af, and the ball gaat in! He sits in! Wout Veghorst! I'm still in shock at that goal, Murph. Still in absolute yeah. touch shock. A, touch a class from a Luke de Jong fan. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, they do have a lot of big men, big, they big do. men up front. All right, to choose from there. Yeah. Tallest nation in the world. 
Yeah. They have and your belief. Ma- and that's my Cody Gakbo, man. Uh, <laughs> not everyone was loving to, uh, was a big way out though. Little Leo took a pop at him. This is Leo Messi. Where apparently, it's you don't see it, but apparently it's Vauder, it's Veghorst walking past as Messi, apparently giving some sort of a filthy <laughs> look to Messi as Messi's doing his post-match interviews. Con Leo Messi. Bueno, Leo, quedaste un poco... Un poco caliente por el final. ¿Qué mira, bobo? ¿Qué mira, bobo? Anda, anda para allá, bobo. Anda para allá. Tranquilo, tranquilo, Leo. Murphy, I was going to try and translate that myself, but you, I know for a fact, were hanging out with an actual Argentinian person last night. So <laughs> I be, was. You can help me out here. I was. A real but, life Argentinian. Ar- my, my good friend, Sebastian. Uh, we were walking up... Um, Wexford Street last night, having a couple of uh, having a couple of drinks after our uh, Liberty Hall show last night, mm-hmm. and uh, we walked past Bull Bull's Burger Joint <laughs> on Wexford Street, free plug, uh, and uh, Sebastian so goes, "Oh, that's what Messi was calling uh, Vod Veghorst," and I was like, "Bull Bull," it's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's it." So it's, it's basically, uh, what are you looking at? Uh, and it's it's not anything more um, vicious than you dummy. You know, so me, it, that's what. Yeah, that's the translation I yeah. have in front of me. So that, that's you've got that confirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not even you know it's it, there, there's no edge to it. It's like calling someone like a like a fool, but even yeah, even yeah. even Egypt, milder than maybe. a fool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you yeah. looking at, you Egypt? Imagine yeah. Leo, Leo Messi said that to someone <laughs> live on. And what I love is the Argentinian uh, jurist going tranquilo, tranquilo, <laughs> as if like as if this guy's got any uh, like why why would you want anything else other than Leo Messi shouting abuse at a Dutch player well, live on live want, on your yeah. uh, live on your channel? You probably don't want Messi getting potentially any sort of ban. It would be a very big call for FIFA to ban Leo Messi from a World Cup semi final for calling. Vegor is a dummy. It is a true, dummy. but maybe look. Messi's gone so mad recently. We saw him jawing at Van Hal at one stage. Maybe that Argentinian interviewer just realised that this guy's untamable at this point. Who knows what he could do to Vegor's there <laughs> if I don't step in? <laughs> Madman, Leo Messi, crazy Argentina horse. Did, did you, it wasn't just Messi. Did you see the? Well, yeah, a lot of this. Obviously, these interviews are a lot of them in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But luckily, the goalkeeper Emiliano Martinez is a Premier League player and somebody who has a crystal clear command of the English language. Emi Martinez, you are the hero of all Argentina. Can you sum up your feelings after that tonight? Oh, it's a tricky game, man. I thought we controlled the game really well. We went 2-0 up. Basically, we controlled the game. The, the ref was just giving everything for them. Uh, all of a sudden, they get a good header, good flick, which I couldn't see. Uh, and then it just it turned upside down. The ref was giving everything for them. He gave 10 minutes for, for no reason, 10 minutes. He was giving free kick outside the box for them like two, three times. He just wanted them to score that. That's, that's basically it. So hopefully we don't have that ref anymore. He's, he's useless. Okay, but when you got to the penalty shootout, what's the thinking? I <laughs> uh, just—it's—it's the—it's the interviewer's reaction there. That just okay. Mm, yeah. Then move on to the next like generic <laughs> question. Okay, it says the being guy yeah. who's just I mean, furiously I can, I can, checking his notes. Yeah, yeah, I can understand. You know, the, you know, you're you're kind of on edge. You're waiting for the explosion if you're talking to a member of the losing team. But if you're talking yeah. to a guy who's just saved brilliantly two penalties in a penalty shootout, you're not expecting to be, you know, having to calm him down. Yeah, Just try yeah. not to get you yourself for- banned. Winning goalkeeper. You forgot this guy is from Argentina. You do not know what sort of. It's, it's hard to hard to work these fellas out sometimes mm-hmm. on what gets them going. But they were certainly they were going now and they're going all the way to the World Cup semi-finals. Murph between Argentina going through and Brazil going out. This sounds like a Tim Vickery show. Sound the Tim Vickery klaxon, Murph.
Oh, yes. No, I'm, I'm actually just looking for it. You think I've got a Tim Vickery klaxon just hanging around here in my yeah. work desk? Here. There you go. <laughs> is that that's the a Tim Vickery klaxon? No. Yeah, no, that's... that's, that's like, you sure? Yeah, that's It sounded a lot like the Wilson klaxon. But we possibly whatever. could have rehearsed it. We probably possibly could have rehearsed you could have, that one. You could have told me that I needed a yeah. klaxon. At the end, I'm yeah. just emoting now. Anyway, listen yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, He's Ken on the show. That's the important He's on thing. this show, yeah. He does more than emote. He emotes, but he also talks a bit of sense, unlike some other people on this podcast. Ken was <laughs> at England, France. We'll get to him in a second. We have just completed, as Murph mentioned, our four-night run at the Liberty Hall with thanks to O'Hara's Irish Craft Beers. And oh my word... Did we have some nights? Thank you to all of you who made it along this year. It was absolutely fantastic. Great to be back in December as well. It was certainly very Christmassy. We walked out one of the days and it was kind of cold going in. Walked back out at the end of the shows and there's snow falling on the head of US Murph <laughs> and his wonderful wife Candace, which yeah. I think they they appreciated that extra touch that we gave them. Well, you know? listen, we we wanted to roll out the red carpet and yeah. roll it out. We did. Loads of great conversations came out of it. We'll be sharing some of those on the World Service in the next couple of weeks. Amber Barrett, the Republic of Ireland's goal-scoring hero in the World Cup playoff. We had a wider conversation about the fallout from the Up the Rat chance in the Hamden Park dressing room with Brian Kerr and Una Mullally. You will not want to miss that one. Shane Walsh, absolute showstopper when he came in to talk to us about his All-Ireland final performance yeah, and the brilliant. move to Kilmuckle Croaks. Yeah. And as I mentioned, our boy US Murph brought some serious US Murph energy for one night only. Well, he was in the country for more than one night, but he was at the Liberty Hall for one special night so we'll play some of that I'm sure as well secondcaptains.com five euro a month plus VAT if you want to be a member and hear all that there's a voice (laughs) 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 oh my god sorry mate that's actually my seat what you think doesn't really matter He's on a night watch. What do I say? The word cutter. I had a number of Budweiser. I've got friends in low places. I'm going to have to re register myself as Aaron Ardberg. In the hotel, staff were like, oh, you need to go to the hospital, sir. Well, what's next for you? What's next for Hadaway? FIFA. Couldn't let me in. What a boy you are. Ken, English major tournament heartbreak. And you were there to witness it. Let's start with Harry Kane's penalty, Ken. As he placed the ball down for his second penalty of the game, what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking, well, it's too old. This is going to extra time and this is this stadium is going to be an absolute nightmare to get home from. I'm going to have to get an Uber. I'm going to have to get a fucking Uber from the media centre. But the problem is, where does the Uber pick you up? I mean, it's like... It's just impossible. Like this, this, this um, building is like a is like a space station. Um, it's there's like motorways near it, and it's like where, where does he actually go? Like I don't, I don't. So this is what was going through my mind. I mean, was uh, because the metro closes at three, and this mm-hmm. bus is not gonna. I'm not gonna get back in time to get the uh, in time to get the the club's metro. So that's what I was worrying about. Um, I certainly was not thinking Harry Kane is going to miss this penalty, the biggest penalty of his career to date. He is going to miss, and England are going to get knocked out two one. That that was not a scenario I had considered until I watched flabbergasted with everyone else. The ball, um, like so far over the bar. I mean, just went so far back into the stand. You know, I mean, he hit it so hard and uh, not on target. So, yeah, that, that, those are my thoughts. I mean, I spoke to uh, another journalist who watches a lot of Tottenham, and he said I felt something. 
I felt I felt something. I've seen every penalty Harry Kane's ever taken, and when he's going to miss, there's something there. I felt something. That's interesting because I've heard other people saying the the look in his eyes was it. This is BBC's commentary. Was it Jermaine Genus or was it, might have been Martin Keown? They're they're doing highlights later on in the evening, and one of them said, I think it was Keown. I, I saw the look in his eyes and thought, mm, he might be trying to hit this too hard. <laughs> I was like, what? Really? Did yeah. Keown say that before? No, 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 no. Yeah, did he say it before? No. Yeah, no, I, no, I do not know. No, this is I think pub, that's, this that is... might be a key detail. I'm going to say that's a key detail. Credit, credit was you. No, they weren't. It was as sure as ITV, so BBC weren't weren't doing it. So we were, yeah. we were only seeing Martin Keown's thoughts late, late into the night. I mean, did he hit it any harder than he hit the first one? He, this is how how Kane takes penalties. Yeah. He yeah. smashes them. You know, yeah. I mean, he smashes yeah. them into. The, he's he, he's brilliant at taking penalties. Although I was actually surprised looking at some of the stats today that. He's missed a couple, like, you know, slightly more than I thought. Like he, like, I mean, when I say slightly more, like I thought he was kind of above 90%, but actually he's closer to sort of 85%, which is still better than average. But uh, uh, maybe I'm just too impressed by the way that I've seen him slam penalties in, mm. you know? Um, like I remember his one against Colombia in the World Cup the last time. I mean, the one against France was quite similar. He just smacks it in like it's an easy thing to do. You know, when you've when you've trained as much as Harry Kane has, you can strike the ball like he has. It's, you know, just smash into the top corner. I just, uh, you know, I couldn't believe what happened. But I think when, just, there, so may have, just, there may have, sorry, Yeah, what? no, sorry, no, I'll let you finish. Oh, what am I talking about, Ken? Well, we've already heard some from you. I'll let you finish your point there. Well, just the, the, the only confounding effect may have been the fact that it was a second penalty. Mm. And suddenly he's like, okay, what did I do the first time? Put it there. He went the wrong way. What's he going to do now? This is Laurie's who knows him very well. You know, what's he going to do? Um, the only way to make him irrelevant is to put it in the top corner. It doesn't matter what he does then. You know, if you put it high, it's not even in the top corner. It's it's sort of like, if you, you, know, you know where they say, oh, it's a savable penalty for the goalkeeper. It's a good height for the goalkeeper. What is a good height for the goalkeeper? You know, you know, you know where that penalty is. That was basically halfway yeah. between the post and the middle of the goal. And like, if that penalty is just up underneath the crossbar, that's a certain goal. Like the goalkeeper is not saving that. Uh, I mean, in theory, he could save a, pe- a, a penalty that's smashed directly over his head. Although I don't know if I've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever seen a goalkeeper make a save of a penalty that like is? I mean, that was what Kevin Sheedy said in 1990, wasn't it? Um, before he went up to take his penalty against Romania, he's like, "I'm just going to smash it over his head," and uh, that was what he did. And obviously, the ball went in. But yeah, I mean, under the crossbar is is a good place in order for the goalkeeper to not be able to save the penalty. It does introduce that other way of missing a penalty, which is what we saw. See, this is interesting, right? Because there's there's a sort of stigma around the you know any player like Jorginho misses a penalty, and the commentators are going, "I don't like what he does." You know, I don't, I don't. Why are you overcomplicating it? Even though he scores almost every other penalty, anytime anyone tries one of those ones, or you roll it down the middle, or you, you try a panenka, it doesn't work. Of course, you're gonna you're gonna look stupid. But when you're taking a penalty like the way Harry Kane takes them with such power. If you miss hit it by a, a second or get one part of your your strike even a percentage or two wrong, that there's actually quite a chance that you could miss that penalty. I'm not saying that, and again, he scored most of his penalties, but there, you know, it can't. There, there is also a risk in taking penalties the way Harry Kane does. Same as the way there's a risk in waiting for the goalkeeper to go one way and just gently rolling it the other way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am, I'm a, fa- I'm a fan. Sorry, Kieran, you're going to come in there because I know that you are actually probably the person we should be listening to on this <laughs> yeah uh, well I uh, absolutely can I don't think there's any doubt about that um no the 
I, I'm curious to hear you. Uh, uh, you've said it a couple of times now that he was aiming for the top corner. I actually think he was aiming to blast it straight down the middle. I think that that's where. No, I think what? That's, yeah, well, then I think got, that's then he got it all. He got well, then he got a more than one or two percent wrong. Yeah, he he got yeah. that ninety-seven percent wrong. That no, was, no, no I, he wasn't hitting it down the middle. No, I think that's I think that's what he was ah. trying to do. I think that's what he was trying to do. Um, <laughs> I mean, what happened? I well, I don't know. But I mean, I was expecting in the replay to watch his foot slip slightly, and you know, and then you hoik it to the to the left as a right-footed kicker, like Beckham did when in his famous yeah. penalty miss. Although yeah, no, he, yeah. his one actually his one went the other way. He slipped so far that he actually did he kick it off his sort of slipping standing foot, and it went yeah. high and right. I swear, everyone. Yeah, no, but I mean, I, as as he was shaping up, I was like, he's just going to absolutely blame this down the middle. Uh, and, I, and I think that if he was getting into his head, which obviously happened, uh, when you start thinking about, okay, if I go left, if I go right, I, I that was just the decision I expected him to make, was to just absolutely hammer it down the middle. And I think that's what he tried to do. And it just, it just, it, it, he hit it so hard that it it will automatically, as a right-footed kicker, just like hook that way, just hook to your left like that. And I think that that's that that was actually the trajectory of the ball that I that that I saw, rather than him aiming for the top corner, and 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 kind of and missing it, you know, more towards the middle. You're presenting, think, uh, you're presenting a compelling case, but if not compelling enough to convince me. I mean, I still think he was going for the whipped penalty, like the first one. But yeah, maybe he just tried to. Whip yeah, it a I, bit I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. Th- I, I, I obviously we we will never know unless Harry Kane decides to tell us. But I think that's what he was trying to do. There'll probably mm. be a like Netflix on it at some point. Mm. You know, so you get to a like quarter piano final. chords, mournful <laughs> piano chords, and yeah. Kane like staring wistfully out of the training field, and then like him taking penalty after penalty obsessively, like you know the, the sort of forty-eight-year-old Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, I can't pass the football, but whenever I pass the football, which I have to stop the car and get out and like take five penalties, they always go in. <laughs> oh man! Oh look, you know okay. it's it, whatever we can. You know it's it, it's gallows humor. Let's call it. Um, I felt a, a bit sorry for England because you know I thought they they sort of did what they do. Like uh, Southgate afterwards, right? Was very. I mean, obviously he was disappointed, but he wasn't that disappointed. Really? You know, it wasn't like he was struggling to speak or, you know, was, was kind of like, oh, I can't find the words. He was he was quite normal the way he is. And then he was, you know, they someone sort of said, what about that ref? You know, the, the ref, Gary Neville had been describing it as a, as a joke. And, you know, they all, all the all the let it flow uh, pundits uh, suddenly didn't want it to flow. They wanted free kicks. <laughs> they wanted free kicks for obvious fouls. They wanted Pomecano to be punished for obviously failing uh, Bukayo Saka. I mean, it's it was something unbelievable in, in the in the build up to the to the first yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so it's so clear. You know, Saka has it. Um, Pamukkana's coming for him. Um, just sort of blunders into him, like kind of with his tie. Sort of he knocks Saka over. Like Saka, like is is lifted off the ground. You know, you know what I mean. Like he goes, he, he's just obviously sent flying by this. And then Falcon just comes comes away with the ball, and you're like, "Well, that's a free kick. <laughs> just play on, you know." And so, so that's a really. I know they're all complaining about about this, and I don't think that you can go back and disallow the goal for that because too much has then happened, right? It's it's like, mm. well, you know, and is it a clear and obvious? You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like, yeah, tough deal with it. But the thing is that everyone's expecting that to be a free kick, and so it creates. It's not just like a normal 
turnover where obviously the whole team has to respond oh we've lost the ball we all have to shame it's like there's a hesitation for a fraction of a second it's like well that's a free oh it's not what what and then everyone's kind of distracted by going how's that a free kick and then by you know fans are already like getting into in, into the england half now um and okay there was there was a you know when rice came in steaming in on mbappe yeah. was there a bit of like revenge there like or, or a bit of like anger in that remember this was in the uh this was in the move leading up to the goal, right? Yeah, I remember it. He, l- yeah. he lunges in, which is exactly what a player like Kylian Mbappe wants you to do. Yeah, and Mbappe just sort of like jumped over him like a gazelle. And I mean, it was great. It was a great moment. It was probably the best thing Mbappe did. Well, that and the um, the, the the race against Kyle Walker. We finally got to see the race, you know, mm. uh, between uh, 36 kilometers per hour Kylian Mbappe and 37 kilometers per hour uh, <laughs> Kyle Walker and 36 kilometers one. I don't know what the eventual speeds were on that, but it was a thrilling moment, uh, which led to Giroud not not being able to score the cutback. But, um, you know, then Mbappe, I think it, it, he kind of went into the box, gave it to Dembele, Dembele to Griezmann, Griezmann then equalized the assist record of Zidane and Henri, I think are the two players, by passing the ball sideways to Chumeni, giving him nothing really to work with. Like, you know, it wasn't like a ball into the space ahead of him that he could run onto and, and you know, whack. Whack, yeah. Kind of into his into his feet. He almost had to stop to control it, takes a touch, and then just the power that he got off it was absolutely phenomenal. Like, I couldn't believe that ball went in. And neither could Pickford, obviously, because he, uh, you know, I mean, Pickford, again, it's one of those where a ball flies in from, from long range, and you're like, well, could he have done a bit better there? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think he could. I, I think you could tell what Jordan Pickford thought of it by uh, well, uh, when the camera cut back to him. Instead of roaring and shouting at all of his teammates, he was standing there with John Stones, kind of having a little consultation about it. It's like, mm, Jordan, if you're being a little quiet about this, something tells me you think maybe you should have saved it rather than shouting at your midfielders to get out. Yeah, well, well, I mean, that, like, that, well, what do you think, John? I, I don't know. Ooh, maybe I could have saved that one. What do you reckon? <laughs> Got a reaction of seed from Jordan Pickford all that often. He, he, <laughs> he could have shouted at, at Bellingham. I mean, Bellingham maybe is a bit slow to get it. Like he, the the thing about it is the thing that's surprising when you look at it is how deep Bellingham is in the England box before he starts running out at Chimeni. Uh and and. Still, he he does get into a decent position for a block, and I thought that Chiumeni had left it sort of too late to shoot. Or I wasn't I wasn't expecting the shot, like and certainly not not of that type of quality. I mean, it was a phenomenal goal. Um, it went it went through Pick, uh, Bellingham's legs uh, into the corner. Pickford Pickford doesn't really move till too late, and it's in. So, I mean, it was a great goal, and at that point, France deserved it and looked like maybe they're going to just win this game easily, you know. Cause, but then the the whole pattern of the game changed after that when France. You know, because when I say France had looked much better, I mean, they when they had had the ball, they moved forward with, like, intent and did incisive things. And there was a couple of Dembele crosses, which nearly, Giroud nearly got, sort of wrong-footing the defenders. Uh, whereas when England got it, they, it, it was real sort of, all right, lads, uh, you know, no mistakes, we're here, uh, cool heads, hot hearts you know, sort of clutching onto their various instructions. And all they were actually doing was Henderson passing the ball slightly behind Shaw and then Shaw carefully passing the ball to Maguire and then Maguire passing the ball back to Henderson and then Henderson passing to Shaw and then Shaw to Maguire. And then Maguire would um, would load up Big Bertha and uh, 
and <laughs> and try to find that space on the the space is on the far side, but he would find the space. He would find touch. And uh, then France <laughs> would get the ball, maybe up the pitch, and so that you know, the, it looked like oh, England are England are nervous here. They're they're kind of ponderous. They're they're being too careful, you know that kind of thing. Um, once they went a goal down, and France were like, okay, well now let's see uh, what you do. France kind of stopped playing a little bit. England were on the ball a lot more, uh, got into it, um, didn't make clear chances, but made nearly had a lot of chances. You know what I mean? Lots of lots of situations, particularly down the right side, it was all down the right side. It was nothing. Foden did nothing. Yeah. You know, like Foden just wasn't involved. It's like whatever, whatever way England's game was set up, like it was all kind of just facing that direction. You know what I mean? Is it was it the fact that Maguire was kind of the free player and he wants to pass it that direction? Um, I'm not really sure why. Was it was it that that's where there, there's a bit more space in France's formation because Mbappe? It's not like Dembele is like a an absolute defensive Trojan on the other side. Is it even something more basic where when you see players get sense that someone like like Saka is a brilliant footballer as well, even if he doesn't maybe quite get the level of, of hype that Foden gets and. Uh, and you, you get a sense that this guy's on it, and he's you know he's got he's got them on toast a little bit. So let's just keep getting him the ball, even if it's subconscious. Yeah, I mean, you know, and when he was getting on the ball, he was making things happen. I mean, often he, the things that happened was would be that he would be fouled, and the referee would make a dramatic play on gesture, and <laughs> everyone would be like, oh, well, rah. Um, and the other thing was uh, Upamecano was was looked a bit dodgy, like look, but, like I say, a bit dodgy, like he looked. Unbelievably dodgy. Like it was like this. This guy is England's best chance here, and he got rolled by Harry Kane twice. And the first time was a shot that 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 is another regret from the game for Kane. That maybe he could have scored, or maybe I was expecting him to score. To be honest, and Lloris made a great save. I was a tight. It was a, it was a tight angle because by the time he had spun around, Lloris was coming out, and he he ha- there was own it was. There weren't many options left to Kane. He tried to hit it with the outside of the foot, sort of Luis Suarez against England at a previous World Cup style. But mm. yeah, quite, I didn't, didn't, I didn't quite get it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I think like, did it hit Loris on the on the side? Like Loris was kind of already diving, and and the way Loris had dived was a bit strange. I thought like his, um, I thought he kind of. I'm not sure if it, if he had the right orientation towards the ball. But anyway, he made a great save. Uh, and then the second time that Kane rolled, uh, Upamecano was the penalty not given. Uh, you might be able to hear the call to prayer there. I'm not sure if you can hear it in the background. It's uh, one of the, no, we can't. One of the daily calls to prayer. My, I've got to say, I'm not super impressed by my local guy. Um, in terms no. of his, no, because you know, it, it, at certain times of the day, you know, when it's time for, um, when when it's when it's time. I mean, there's, I think it's five times a day or whatever. Um, you hear the the calls go up, and there's all these minarets around. Uh, you know, wherever there's a mosque, obviously there's kind of a tower, and uh, the uh, the guys are up there and they kind of sing. But like people do different, they they have different styles. You know what I mean? There's a guy at the yeah. giant mosque down by the Souk Waki who's like, like a real songbird, and yeah. uh, but your guy genuinely, you'd stop to listen to the guy. Like, yeah, but your fellow's not doing the business for you, no. My guy is more, you know. Belt and braces type. Yeah, he goes. He goes. Da, 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 and he just does that loads of times. I mean, he's obviously he's got words, different words, I guess. Yeah. But the guy, the guy down by the Sigwaki, I, I honestly think he's one of the best attractions that I have 
come stumble across in Doha. <laughs> I would, I would, uh, I wouldn't pay money to listen to the guy, but I would stop and listen till he was finished. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, where was I? Um, Harry Kane's penalty, first penalty appeal, the one that wasn't given. Yeah, I mean, I thought, okay, the ref didn't, didn't give anything. And then they went back, obviously, because, I mean, yeah, well, well, I mean, well, it's just the guy kicking another guy in the back of the legs, like, big yeah. deal. Like. They should get rid of the play on, again, the, the dr- dr- dramatic play on gesture. It's a bit antiquated. They should actually literally, the refs should now start doing a flowing water gesture. Just yeah, yeah. Flow. Like a jug. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a jug being poured. Or, no, or that, wa- no the... I, was thinking, I was thinking of a wave, you know, a rolling wave. That's is, it, is it like the Aquarius uh, zodiac symbol, which is like the two zag- uh, zigzagging lines next to each other? <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, just sort yeah, of do yeah. that with your hands. Let it flow. And, uh, but, but, but then the var was like, oh, ref, you know, I think you should have a look at that. And then, um, and so he did. But, uh, and so you thought, well, this, this could be a penalty. Because you see it, it's kind of right on the line. You know what I mean? Um, just let it nah it's outside and then of course because it's uh because it's not a penalty or a red card you know it doesn't matter it that it free. happened like yeah, it, yeah. It does, it's not a free kick either so they just continue um and it uh <laughs> finished the game with no fouls like he did nothing but commit fouls <laughs> and smash the ball in odd directions and like get rolled and he and he finished the game with this immaculate record. <laughs> like this, according to the stats, it's like, whoa, this guy is a, he's a phenom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, which is just amazing. Um, but yeah, so that was that. And then there was obviously another fire appeal later. But that was the second penalty because again he saw nothing wrong with just smashing a, a player underneath. Like a, in rugby, this would be a foul. You know, no, to I, knock I, a player for, down. Forget about rugby. In the NFL, this would be you know the the ball was nowhere near. It's illegal contact. It's, you know, yellow flags all over the place. It's like a straight charge into someone with, with, with the ball nowhere near. It's you know how a, a measure of how stupid that foul was to give away was the fact that the ref was actually right, not I think, not to give a red card because it, it was... It, it couldn't have been a goal-scoring opportunity. It wasn't even no, a goal-scoring no, no. opportunity. So why no, are you no. fouled? And so it's only a yellow, but yet you fouled. So everyone's sort of pissed off with the ref because the England felt they should have had a red. But I think the ref got it right. It was a clear penalty. But I... It's, but it's not a it's not a clear goal scoring opportunity. The, the ball's miles up in the air. You're back. There's other defenders coming around. It's like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was that was the one thing he did get right. Um, but I've got ahead of myself here because uh, there was obviously a lot that happened. So halftime, um, nothing really changed. Like I mean, again, like the whole Southgate approach is let's not let's not do anything crazy, you know, like a. And it's hard to know sometimes because he has like a lot of pressure from, say, some of the media who he's who are regularly following the camp, whose idea is that England should be the whole. It's always the charge of the light brigade, right? It's like the Mm -hmm. you know the most heroic action. I mean, everybody, mostly everybody died, and and nothing was achieved, but it was glorious. Um. Uh, you know, let's just go for it. Like a handbrake, leashes, all that stuff, shackles, get rid of all that. Uh, it's like dogging gear. <laughs> just throw out all, throw out all the dogging gear, and just release the hands. That's that's basically the that's that's the recommendation that Southgate is currently yeah. constantly under. And he's okay. he's sort of he sees himself as constantly having to sort of guard against that because, in his opinion, that's just madness. You know, it's just it's just madness. It's like, uh, and you could do it and. Mbappe will will run riot and score two goals in the counter like he did in the previous game, and 
then you'll be crucified anyway. It won't be like, oh, thanks. God, that feels amazing. You know, people just lying back and like lighting up cigarettes going, whoa, that was, oh, Gareth, you know, can't wait to do this again. Uh, <laughs> it won't be that. You'll be dragged out and publicly crucified, right? So that's what will happen. So he knows that. And and so he's always trying to say, look, uh, let's just keep our heads. There's 90 minutes, 100 minutes now in the game, 100, 105 minutes in a game of football. And keep doing what you're doing and the chance will come. The chance nearly came a couple of times. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't let them in. Have have patience. Have have confidence. It's about be, it's about quiet confidence as opposed to like uh, you know hysterical bravado, right? That's what Southgate thinks is the way to to win. But of course, the problem is if it doesn't work out, then everyone's like, "You're a chicken." It's lions led by chickens, but lions led by a chicken, and this is a disgrace. So that you know, so there's a, there is a risk to his less risky method he just thinks this is the most rational way to do it so England kind of kept doing that and then and so it did happen pretty early in the second half that the same thing that was working for them in the first half worked for them in the second half which is Saka on the ball um combining with teammates around and then going on these little dribbles that France don't know how to stop him and have been fouling him and this time the foul is so obvious that even Wilson Sampaio has to go ah here that's a foul you know even he has to say look I mean, you've just just chopped him down, and then a crazy tackle by Chimini. I suppose there's a danger. Like Saka's cutting in, he's obviously in shooting distance now. If he, you know, he just needs to make space for the shot. You know, this is the thing we see Saka do a lot in the Premier League: just you know, faking shots and yeah. going sideways, faking shot, and then he can score. Um, so Chimini doesn't want to let that happen, but obviously, what happened was the worst possible outcome. Kane gets the penalty, does what Kane always does, slams it into the top corner. And um, and then you think, well, England are you know they've they've sort of they've they've been persecuted by the ref. They've they've overcome injustice. They've sort of played France to a standstill. They're in a really good place in this game now, and it sort of went on like that. But again, you know, it's like, well, okay, it's what all you know. Don't want to be too crazy. So the game was, I wouldn't say, a, a really a top game. You know, in the sense of teams are rushing back and forth and there's all there's excitement and shots flashing just over the bar and you know all this kind of stuff although there was was it bellingham had a had a um had a shot that was saved by Loris. yes yeah um you know uh, the second half yeah yeah you know there's so, so it was kind of a bit of that holding pattern and then france scored again out of the blue honestly like i say out of the blue there was the mbappe run that i, I mentioned earlier um but the goal that happened Literally the two seconds before the ball was in the net, if you'd been Southgate, you'd been you would be standing there going, "This is fine. This situation is fine." Because if you look at where he is, like it's it's literally the ball is almost on the on the touchline where Griezmann is. Like it's 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 almost like a kick in, except he's marked. There's someone kind of coming to close him down. There's very little space. He's way out. He's as far as he can be uh, in terms of on the sideline. This is not really a dangerous crossing position at all you know you can cross from there really all day you know it's annoying to see players crossing from there most of the time because it's like well but he hits the cross so amazingly and this was his assist record uh i think over 50 years uh 28 assists that he's that he now has which which is bigger than zidane or or i think Henri. um an amazing ball and just into the right area where Giroud gets to it ahead of mcguire and i think it, you know Giroud. i think Giroud's header is actually going the other side of the goal um, and Maguire, it hits Maguire and, and flies in at the near post, but 
I think it's probably going to be a goal one way or the other. I don't I don't think Maguire has obviously it's Giroud's goal because the header is on target. Um, maybe Pickford can produce a miracle save, but not from the shot that resulted. And so, and then, and then there's only what there was, there was 12 minutes left at that point. Now, this was an interesting moment in the game because we could already see down below uh, that Mason Mount and Raheem Sterling were getting ready to come on, um, and then they conceded a goal. But then he then he put them on anyway, which I thought was sort of interesting, right? Because you know. Uh, the match situation has just changed, but you just sort of continue program programmatically with what you're you're doing, if you see what I mean. Um, so in terms of what else England could have done, I mean, that's always a harder question to answer. But the fact that they kind of just did what they were going to do anyway, even though the situation had just dramatically changed, i.e., you know, things are level, you know, extra time is a good possibility, is a strong possibility here. You know, uh, and our our patient approach is what we did. Now it's suddenly, oh, we need a goal. Like we really need a goal now, very quickly. Anyway, in in the event, I think a lot of that is is kind of. You could say, well, what's Garrett doing here? He's he's like a he's like a robot. He, he just has pre programmed instructions and he's just spitting out the substitutes in the in the order, even though the game has changed. But of course, Mason Mount actually does make an impact because he's the guy who wins the free kick or the penalty, I should say. So you know, I mean, if you could criticize Sergei for doing this. But you can also he can also say, well, look, I mean, well, the substitute did make an impact. Um, they get the penalty. That's the moment when they should um, when they should equalize. And obviously, instead, it's the moment when they lose the game. And what happened after that? Uh, Rashford just came on immediately after the penalty. But the weirdest one then is Grealish, because Grealish came on. I think it was the ninety seventh minute, right? Yep. Who makes a substitution in the 97th minute when the score is 2-1? Which manager? The team, made... the winning manager. The manager's trying to see it out and waste time. Absolutely. I mean, Deschamps actually only made one substitution on the, on the night, but that's because if you look at the France bench, you'd be scratching your head going, actually, there's not that much here, really, is there? <laughs> there's, a, there's not a whole lot of players on this bench who you would think can come in and improve this team. Uh, I mean, the, you know, there was Coleman, who was the guy who did come on for Dembele, uh, this was at the same time England were making they, their substitutions. There's Kanade, who maybe you could see replacing Upamecano if you were if you were worried that like he was going to kind of do something that might cost you the game. But obviously, break, break the habit of a lifetime and commit a foul. You mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, Deschamps rates the guy. You know, maybe he, he this wasn't his best game. He he is he is in fairness a highly rated player. He plays for Bayern. They don't buy him just because like they're like, well, you know, we think this guy looks good. Like I'm sure they. It's not like Bayern have ever bought a defender they later regretted buying. But um, but what I'm saying is that's not a substitution that... Who who replaces their centre halves? You know, that, the centre half usually has to be having an absolute nightmare or be injured to get substituted, right? So but anyway, uh, Southgate, on the other hand, has quite a lot of options. Um, he can do different things. He can change the shape of his team. He's got players like uh, Alexander-Arnold, uh, you know, trippier if you're like one of these who who also has this kind of uh, ability to deliver the ball. He's got Callum Wilson who will who could be an extra striking option. You know, he's got obviously the ones he's used: Sterling, Mount, Rashford, Grealish. So there's quite a lot there in terms of 
you know, I, I, to change the team or to change the approach in the way that Van Gaal did, say, against Argentina. You know what I mean? It's not like Luke de Jong and Van Veghorst are the best players in the world, but they were useful players. Well, I, well, I beg to differ. I, mean, I think, I think Vaud is up there after his performance at the weekend. Vaud is definitely one of the world's favourite footballers. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's right <laughs> But, you know, it's it's like in, in a specific situation in a game where you're going to try a different approach, he he is a useful player. Um just that the fact that he brings Grealish on after seven minutes of injury time have already been played was insane. Because like, well, Stones Stones was injured. In fairness, I mean, he, he you know he was he was being carted off the field. Uh, so you have to bring you have to bring someone on at that stage, and you know there's definitely no point in bringing Eric Dyer on at that juncture. No, it's true, but it, it it seemed like it was almost just like let's waste some time. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I love France. I've I've always admired their work. Um, <laughs> Wonderful so that, scene, of course. Um, so that was uh, that was strange, but you know, and 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 for Grealish, like he, uh, you know, it's Southgate doesn't really like him. I mean, I'm sure he would be absolutely delighted if Southgate was to leave, because you know, while everybody uh, likes Southgate, or you know, well, I'm sure everyone finds him at least a tolerable presence. Uh, for someone in Grealish's position, you couldn't. I bet you can't wait for this guy to be gone because, you know, it's clear at this point that he just doesn't really see him as a as a reliable option in big games. And in fairness, he shares that opinion. It seems with with uh, Pep Guardiola. Well, I was I was going to make the point. Everyone talks about Grealish, but you know, uh, he's not a game changer. He's not a game changer at, at club level. He might be. He might be a good, high technical player. He has certain qualities, but he hasn't been changing massive games for for Man City or doing anything really that makes you think oh this is the guy who's going to come in and, and save our World Cup campaign I don't like, I like Grealish is obviously a good player but I don't the way his career has gone over the last year and a half I don't know I'm not, I don't think he, it's it's the slam dunk to send him on with 20 minutes to go and he'll he'll score you a goal because he doesn't do that anymore yeah there are a lot of good players and you can't play all of them and you know the, the, the I, I mean it's not the point that you're making but the like that's it Do you know like you like there's what is the point in just throwing more and more of the same type of player on the field i mean that's not it either you know like the like Grealish, you know like Crimea river quite frankly Do you know what i mean like like what's the if, if you play Grealish, you leave out foden you know like i there's there there's a limit to the sympathy i have for the for this particular problem, you know, there are a lot of good players. So they can only play two or three max of them anyway. So, well, Grealish obviously uh, has has been a decisive player uh, when he was the main player in a kind of a smaller team, and since he's been uh, another player in a big team that has a lot of other good players, he has struggled to. I think he struggled with confidence. Struggled with sort of the. You know, he always, for for City certainly it's always the case of oh Pep probably wants me to pass the ball here rather than sort of do what comes into my head. Mm. Uh, for England, it's been more a case of I'm sitting here on the bench and there's not a lot I can do because Gareth well, thinks that yeah. I'm just like yeah. uh, he doesn't. You know, he thinks yeah. he's got better options. So it's but just be, it's yeah. just it's just his tragedy, really. Yeah. It's his tragedy be, that he didn't fair, have you, the option. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he didn't you, have like, the option you, you, later you, stage in his career to, or later, you know, just to to be that main player. Go on, for last quick one on that. You're... Oh no, I was just saying that. Listen, it it is. It's it's a tragedy that Jack really. You I mean you can't choose the country you're you're going to play for? At the end of the day, <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. You know, like you just at club level, the country sure, you're play for, it's at the end yeah, of the yeah. day, yeah. he's you know, as, he's he's as English as they come, and you know, that's just the way it is. You well, just like Martin O'Neill. It's like Martin O'Neill said. You know, do you think they regret it for a minute? Rising Grealish, he's a hundred million pound player 
into the World Cup quarterfinals. Declan Rice would have his move if uh, he was valued a little less highly as England's rules. But anyway, listen, that's, <laughs> if he was just Declan if De- if Rice. If Declan Rice was playing for the Republic of Ireland, he would now be uh, Manchester United footballer. Yeah, yeah, he would be, yeah, he exactly. would be Chelsea team captain Chelsea. is what he'd be he would Chelsea. be. He'd be Chelsea, yeah, he'd be Chelsea yeah, they'd captain. They'd be taking Absolutely. out the John Terry banner and putting up Declan Rice, Murph. our Irish legend. That's Grealish is there in his, in his yeah. diamond-encrusted cage at Man City, uh, being left yeah. on the bench playing. Well, look, you know, we all make our choices. Murph, you've, uh, you've just made your take of the World Cup there. You know, like you're just latter stages and you're coming to the fore. This is Maradona 86, though. I like it. Uh, just last quick one on England, because there's a lot of other stuff going on here. When you get to a quarterfinal, you outplay the world champions in, in some respects anyway. You keep the best player in the world, largely under wraps. You put your country's record goal scorer in position to hit an equaliser. Aside from some gripes over the substitutions, as you mentioned there, it, is there that much more they can do? Can you, can you see why Southgate might be looking at this and thinking, surely I'm not going to get bullets for this? Well, I don't think you will. I think, I think if Southgate wants to stay on, then the FA will be happy to keep him on. Because I think once again, you know, they, they can look at it and go, well, this is plausible. You know, they, our, our performance in the World Cup has, has been plausible. Um, I don't think anyone can really, crit- I mean, I, I obviously those people will criticize them because it's, it hurts to lose a quarterfinal. And there's always, when you look back then things, well, we should have done this, we should have done that. And what, what was that? And, uh, you know, there's all those sorts of things, but it's not as though, um, it's been like, a, uh, um, you know, one of these really embarrassing kind of, you know, uh, sort of fiasco type uh, tournament exits. It's, it's been like, it's been good, you know, I mean, it's been, I think it's their top scoring World Cup ever. Uh, yes. They, they've had uh, Bellingham, who, you know, who's been like a sensation for them in terms of, coming through and surely can only improve. I mean, that's always the logic. Oftentimes the first tournament actually turns out to be the best. Ask Wayne Rooney. Yeah, but, um, but you know, in, in, in Bellingham's case, uh, I mean, Rooney again also also was a bit unlucky as well with the timing of injuries that he had. I mean, very unlucky, I think, with the timing of injuries he had when he was really in his in his peak years. Um, so you're hoping that doesn't happen with Bellingham. Gascoigne had different problems. Um, again, you you would hope so. So that's the, that's a reason to be sort of optimistic. I mean, that's one of the things Southgate mentioned. You know, the age of some of the players. I mean, obviously, some of the players are kind of like Harry Kane. Like, what's what's going to happen there? He's twenty nine. So the next World Cup, 33, 33 is pretty old for a striker. Um, maybe he's not a striker anymore. Maybe play Kane with another striker. Is that something that could work? I mean, if Kane wants to be more of a kind of a number ten, then maybe give him a nine to play with. Um, you know, the, what I'm saying is, you know, and, and then there are other players who we don't need to list them all off. So so it, it looks like, yeah, you know, this basically the core of the team or, you know, a lot of this team can still be around and they seem to be getting a lot of good players through all the time. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, and Southgate has done, has done a pretty good job. Like, I mean, this, you know, his record in tournaments stands up to, um, stands comparison with, with basically all his, predecessors apart from you know the one who actually did win the world cup uh and if you get rid of him then who are you going to bring in i mean that's that's i think the clinching factor from the fa's point of view it's like this guy is plausible he's doing he's doing okay the record's good you know we can sort of we haven't been embarrassed and if we get rid of him then we could be bring in someone else and who would who do we end up with like they might end up hiring Mourinho or something insane like that you know what i mean they're Maybe Mourinho would be good in Joshua. They would. They would. They wouldn't. They wouldn't hire Mourinho. 
It'd be Pochettino or, or somebody who's not going to ruffle quite as many feathers, but I don't think... I, Pochettino, yeah. I mean, I think people have been looking at Pochettino's stuff on TV during the World Cup and going, yeah. Is this... Yeah, I was having a very uh, conversation with someone last night on that very topic, in fact, Ken. It's a sec- you know, I, I, I might give him the second language sort of get out, but at the same time, he, he doesn't articulate any ideas that make me think this guy is... This guy is the man I want to lead my country, if, if I'm England. Yeah, like, like I think... Um, so, so I think if he wants to stay, then they, then they will they will probably support him. But you know, again, uh, he he's not he's not the best manager out there. Like you know, I think he's his approach is is okay, but the, he's not Louis Van Gaal, let's say he's not the best manager. But he, he I think he could be the best manager still av- available to England. Best, think, best available to England manager. Yeah, yeah I think I think yeah. maybe I think okay. I think that will be there. That will definitely be their conclusion. So. Um, so yeah, maybe he maybe he will stay on because earlier this year I thought now nah, you know this he has to do something really good in this World Cup or um, because uh, because the Nations League but of course the Nations League just forget all about it. like it doesn't really matter that they played really badly in that it it actually just it it instantly just gets memory hold like who can even remember it they lost four 0 to Hungary or something like who cares yeah I remember that all right but other than that yeah yeah so um, so yeah sorry I'm I'm just I'm just repeating myself now so I'll just. I want to ask you about Morocco's chances of beating France because this Morocco story is just absolutely amazing. The, the decision to bring all the, to bring everyone's mum to the to stay in the team hotel is one of the most inspired. There's just always these amazing images afterwards. The, the recent one was Bouffal dancing with his mum on the pitch. If I can just paint a, a love heart emoji here or a number of them for all, just, just absolutely beautiful. Obviously, this this occasion, this semi final against France, like the the it's going to be so gigantic. The, the the manager, for example, is one of um, is it was born in France. The manager only just came in in uh, relatively recently. He's obviously just uh, so many Moroccans in France that the, I'm not saying that hasn't been said about how big this is in in the Arab world in Africa it, uh, for Morocco. It's just going to be absolutely it's going to be absolutely amazing. And in a football sense, I think they've got a great chance. I really think right. I know people are starting to make the comparison now with Greece in 2004, which I think is a pretty good one. I think. You you talk about people talk about sides getting into attacking grooves and you know X Y Z, but you can get into a defensive groove as well. You can get into a point where you're just so in sync defensively, which Morocco have been in this and tournament. Oh, yeah. like, I, 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 I don't think they're going to give many chances up to France, even if they do have one or two injuries. Sorry, my it's, yeah, no. It's, I was just going to, to add to that point about the defense. It's like they finished the game against Portugal with three of their uh, first choice back four not playing. And it didn't even seem to. It didn't even seem to matter. They were just. We have a system. Uh, player. It, the players are just cogs in this well-oiled machine. And if one steps out, we have someone to plug into this system, and it doesn't seem to rattle them at all. I mean, they, like they they were so comfortable for so long against Portugal. It was hilarious. Like they were just. They dominated the game, and like the Greece uh, comparison is definitely uh, worth making on. But they play much better football than that Greek than, than that Greek team, and they've got better players than that Greek team. I think like they are so good to watch. They attack so brilliantly that this idea that there are you know there's squeaking one nils and you know Rodri shiting on about oh you know they they barely played. I mean it's just ridiculous. Yeah, shut up. Like the arrogance of that. The arrogance of that is just. But all I'll say is he's at the right club and he's under the right manager. Ken. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, he's not at Barcelona though. 
he is uh, <laughs> now, but yeah, it was it was ridiculous to to say that from Roger. You know, just he surely he must realize how sour that sounds. I mean, that's one thing Southgate at least did last night was uh, when they said, well, "What about the ref?" He said, "Well, I don't want to talk about the ref. I'll just say that France are a very good team." Mm -hmm. So he was kind of graceful, you know, in that sense. Um, but like Morocco, I mean, I think that the, these accumulated um, injuries in defense are they are going to be a problem. You know, yeah, it's not it's just not, no, the it's, case. It's, it's, it's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he comes the World Cup and like bits start falling off the team, you know, and uh, everyone's got to deal with it. Um, I mean, our, France obviously have had two big injuries: uh, Benzema and uh, Hernandez, both ruled out of the tournament. So, uh, but Kante beforehand. Yeah, so so I mean, this this is the way that it goes. Like your your resources are tested. France have got more than Morocco, and to you know for Morocco to get here is <clears throat> nobody nobody obviously would have uh, expected this. Size is a huge loss for them. Aguero they lost him with a hamstring in the previous game. So and then Shadira obviously the substitute striker got sent off, so he won't be able to play the semi final. So, I mean, I, I cannot see how Morocco beat France, but I couldn't see how they would beat... I couldn't Spain see how they would beat Spain yeah. or Portugal either. And this so. is the point, and they're winning those games deservedly, as Murph's saying. It's not it's not just some sort of fluke. They're playing really well defensively. They have skillful players. They're players who are good enough. It's not even that they're... You know, they're not the most exciting team I've ever seen in the world, but the advantage of having those technical players in attacking areas is more that you can take the pressure off the defence. So, I mean, we could go to the World Cup as Republic of Ireland and, and try to sit back and be well-organised defensively, but then we're not going to be able to keep the ball well enough mm. further forward. We don't forward. have a, an, a new... Like Australia. Can, Australia's yeah. a good actually example of a team that, that is only going to go so far because they just don't have the players, whereas Morocco do have a few to take the pressure off. So, I don't know. I will... Yeah, you're kind of putting a pin in my balloon here, Ken, with, the, with all the injuries. But look, I'm, literally, I'm wrong about everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was thinking back over the, the World Cup. Like, I've got every prediction wrong. <laughs> so it's like this: it, it, there's something weird going on there. Because to mm. be consistently wrong is almost as interesting as to be consistently right. <laughs> well, that's certainly a way of lo of looking something at something going on here, which is like yeah. it's it, you know, random chance that you know, fit well, fifty fifty or whatever. You sometimes who's going to get through? But I'm like zero percent. <laughs> so it's like I somehow my knowledge is is affecting the judgments that I make just in always in the wrong direction. <laughs> so, you know, you know I, I was put in charge of a World Cup sweep, uh, sweepstakes, 11 people. And I said, there's no, I'm not going to bother picking out, you know, three teams for everyone. Uh, and, you know, one person gets two teams in the sweepstakes. So I just said, I'm just going to pick the top 22 teams, uh, you know, and everyone gets like two teams and that like that, that'll be enough. There's no point, you know, handing out all picking these. Morocco. Morocco were not in the first twenty-two teams. So what happens if Morocco win? Uh, I think the the we'll have to have a committee meeting, I suppose. But really, the the obvious choice is to is to give it to charity, or there is a top score uh, pool as well. So you know, let's let, we we've got a lot of decisions to make. Yeah, there are Morocco haven't won this World Cup yet. That's, not just that, yet. That's no. an important. Uh, they have put an end to Cristiano Ronaldo's football career, though, in any meaningful sense, right? Yeah, I mean, I felt I felt sorry for Ronaldo because. Did you? Like it was, I honestly did feel really sad for him when I saw him, just how, how kind of uh, upset he was coming, coming around, um, you know, in the tunnel, just crying because it's over, you know? I mean, imagine losing, losing Cristiano Ronaldo's career. Imagine, imagine being him, having lived that career and knowing that this was it, it was over. You know, there wasn't any more a chance of winning 
anything big. The you know the 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 things I think that he he's kind of been the, the World Cup has been his kind of goal for uh, maybe the last two years. You know, this World Cup and and going there and not just scoring a knockout goal, but like obviously in his kind of uh, obviously he would think we can win the World Cup. You know, I can do this. I can you know I've I've won things my whole life. I'm I'm a player that I've got a special destiny. You know, this is the way he thinks. And and it can happen for me. And then to you know to know finally that it was over is is very crushing. So, we, so despite everything, like you know, I see people say like, say when Ronaldo was being left out of the, of the last game, and again, and there was the same scene before the Morocco game, by the way, the, with the photographers all crowding around the Portugal bench, like just this swarm of them all in front of the bench, just to just to take photographs of him sitting there looking pissed off as he wasn't starting the game again. And I could see people going, oh, yeah. And I was obviously one of the people saying, yes, you know, this is longer. He shouldn't be in the starting team. Uh, and then there was people going, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's shit now and uh, he's a joke. And then people saying, why is there so much hate for Ronaldo? You know, he's such a great player. And why is there so much hate? And you're like, well, obviously his behavior has something to do with that. Like, you know, his actual, the, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to alienate all the Man United fans, for example, don't be surprised if like the the the, the temperature uh, around you drops a little bit you know in terms of the the warmth that's being expressed to you by the the, the screaming sort of vortex of social media it suddenly is suddenly is get, goes a, a few degrees cooler you're saying man united is a shit club run by clowns and and the manager is a joke and i don't respect anybody <laughs> you know people are going to be like well this isn't very but very nice and so i think there is like uh there is obviously an element to which he's kind of contributed to to the, you know, the 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 abuse that he gets, you know, or the sneering that that comes his way at a moment at a moment like that. But when I saw it actually happening, the end of it, then I just felt sorry for him because, I mean, it has been, yeah. I mean, I'm am I just trying to like do some moral posturing here? Like I'm such a great guy. Like I was I was sitting there <laughs> feeling really impressed by the compassion I felt for Cristiano. <laughs> that is actually what I'm doing, isn't it? But that is what I'm doing. But I did I did feel that. Yeah. I did because like he has been he's he's been amazing. He's and it's and and just to see him reduced to that. Because he he is he is a little bit like a child, you know? Like his view of the world is a is a bit childlike. And I think this is going to be so hard for him to to deal with. You know, some players kind of age into retirement. Some people, some players are like, yeah, you know, I'm actually ready for it now. I'm kind of a bit sick of the banter, to be honest. Everyone says they miss. I'm a bit sick of it. Um, for him, I don't know what's, I don't know what he's going to do next. I mean, I guess he's going to keep playing football in some, you know, highly maybe it's Saudi Arabia. Although he said, hasn't he? Or it's been reported, no, he's not interested in that. But I don't know if he's got many exciting options left, and certainly. At the top level, I can't see anything left for him. So that's going to be really difficult for him to uh, to live with. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tim, Argentina through to the semi-finals of the World Cup where they will play Croatia and not Brazil. What is the mood in Brazil as we speak this Sunday morning, your time? Well, whenever Brazil get knocked out of the World Cup, uh, it always, uh, it, it, this is probably true in, anywhere, but it's especially true in Brazil because the expectations are so high. It feels like a, like a death in the family. And it doesn't take very long for kind of shock and sadness to be replaced by anger. There has to be a kind of hunt the villain type thing, so that's uh, that. That's where we are, where we are at the moment. We're in the land of the endless post mortem. So who's the villain then? Who 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 is the finger pointing at? Usually in in the in the, the tradition of Brazilian football, when they win, the players get the credit. When they lose, the coach gets the abuse, and. It's it's going to be that way this time as well. I remember that 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 Chichi, he had two bites of the World Cup, and he couldn't get past the quarterfinals against European opposition. And the countries that they're losing to are getting smaller and smaller. You know, <laughs> last time around it was Belgium, what eleven and a half million maybe. Yeah. This time around it's Croatia with four million. You know, yeah. for a country of more than two hundred and ten million, these uh, the, the these these are not these are not great results. So uh, he's in for it. He knows that, that that he's in for it. Much of it is going to be very, very harsh. And some of it, I think, is added to by the fact that he wasn't on the field at the end. That uh, that he, um, he he spoke to his players when, when, when the penalty shootout ended. He spoke to his players on the, on the sidelines and he made his way to the dressing room. And uh, it, it's a point that, that one of my stepdaughters made, which I think is brilliant, that in Brazil they would much, much rather have seen him on the field crying, publicly humiliating, humiliated mm. in order to give him forgiveness. <laughs> but because he didn't give them that that scene, then it, it's harder for him to be uh, uh, forgiven 
for the uh, the alleged crime of, of of not getting Brazil past the quarterfinals. Yeah, that is, um, which still, it still doesn't carry a custodial sentence as far as we know, Tim. Oh, but no. maybe some people would like it to. It's a really interesting point. That's that's because especially when you contrast it with the image of him dancing in the celebrations in the previous round, which I didn't have a problem with. I think most people around that you, you you only really have a problem with that. I think when you're either Roy Keane or the country on the end of it. But then, you know, you kind of got to back it up. If you're going to be on the pitch doing all that sort of stuff, you, you probably do want to maybe be on the pitch and, and consoling your players a little bit more. Yeah, that, that the dance thing, it really wasn't his idea. <laughs> <laughs> he got kind of he got kind of reeled into it in 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 the moment. It was it was it was very very uncharacteristic, and and with the the, the knee injury that he that he carries from his playing days, I don't think it comes particularly naturally. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I understand that in the eyes of some, that has has set him and Brazil up for a fault. Frankly, I just can't see what the issue is, and I'm hoping that. Next time, it's just not going to be an issue at all. Uh, have we broken the glass ceiling on on that 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 subject now? Yeah, probably. I'd imagine so. The, the background to all this as well was obviously Pele's health, which um, is not good, and and reports at one stage of the tournament looked really really bleak. So I I, I mean, how much has that played into how Brazilians? have viewed this this tournament which looked like for a long time it, it, it could be very good for them but now for various reasons I guess is, is mostly just going to be tinged with bad memories yeah and you've got to remember that Pele last played for Brazil more than 50 years ago I mean the, the team it's a very young team and Vinicius Junior the, the day before the game in, in, in his press conference he was saying that his idol growing up is Neymar you know, it's a different generation. So Pelé is very, very removed from them in terms of time. Uh, and, and also, although he is fantastically important to the nation and its self-esteem, fantastically important, uh, you know, maybe um, it's a little mixture of kind of Michael Collins Jack Charlton and David O'Leary, you know, and, and more thrown in there as well, if we're looking for an Irish comparison. But he's, he also, he doesn't have quite the visceral connection with the population that Maradona has in Argentina, mm. not just because of time, but because of the type of personality. You know, Maradona is so spontaneous and open and so obviously one of them you know he wants to he wanted to take his shirt off and 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 reel it around his head when he's celebrating he, he, he did it you know Pele was always a little bit more calculating uh a little bit harder to land a glove on him if you want to land a glove on him a little a lot less fallible so it, it, it's it's a symbol but it's not the visceral thing that that Maradona is to 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 Argentina which is not in any way to knock the importance of Pele and the legacy of Pele the greatest of the greatest um but uh, I, I think it's it's possible to overstate the importance of that news on Brazil's World Cup campaign okay what about Neymar then who, who very much is a central figure now and I don't know, will be for how much longer. Everyone's talking about Messi and Ronaldo and their contrasting fortunes. If you're throwing Neymar into that bracket, like he's 30 years of age now, has he given up his, his last chance or at least his best chance of finally winning the World Cup that I think we all feel his his career probably needs even more than those other two? Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he was saying going into the World Cup that this one would probably be his last. Um, 
uh, and he said that he's, he's psychologically destroyed by this, the most painful of all of his defeats. Uh, and uh, he, he wouldn't guarantee that he'll play again for the national team. I think he'll be back. And I think he'll, he'll have one more crack at it. Competition's been so cruel to him, isn't it? Because whatever you might think of him, it was a fabulous, fabulous goal that he scored. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that was, for me, this, this, this was one of the great things about the game. I thought it was a, well, it wasn't the footballing spectacle of France, England, which for me was the game in a competition. But it was, it was such a fascinating game because both sides are continually being asked questions. And they're coming up with answers. Like the, the, the first question is, Croatia, can you hold Brazil? Yes, they can. Well, Brazil and it's Neymar, can you do something about it? Oh, and did he? It's just a magnificent goal. It's a great collective goal and a great individual goal as well. It's a fabulous goal. So then that asks the most difficult question of all, Croatia, can you come back from that? And they could. Um, but it's, it's been a cruel, the World Cup has been cruel to Neymar because you know, obviously in 14, he was, he was injured during the course of the competition in 18, he was coming back from quite a long injury layoff and, uh, and antics aside, I think he probably did at least as well as could have been expected. And he picked up that, that ankle injury this time around as well. That, that meant that when he came back, he clearly wasn't at his best physically. Uh, he, he had to adapt. I thought he adapted very intelligently. Um, he, he was, he was playing quicker. He was playing more, more first, second touch, and he was choosing the moment to go for the risk. Um, so I, I don't think you could you could fault his performance too much. Those injuries, I think, are a part of the the unfortunate nature of, of of the defeat, because Brazil really suffered with injuries in in this campaign. Um, it, one of the key ideas of this side was press. We yeah. pressed the opposition furiously more than any Brazil side has ever pressed before. And against South Korea, for example, he got them two goals. Richarlison, the first line of the press the last line of attack, the first line of defence. And Richarlison was nowhere near. He was, uh, he was um, struggling there, I think, with a thigh muscle problem. Right. And they were, they were thinking of taking him off after five minutes. You know, they were warming up subs after five minutes. Uh, they ended up, they got an hour out of him. But he couldn't, they couldn't press. Because you got, on the, really, the, the front two there are Neymar and, and Richarlison. And neither of them are anywhere near 100%. Uh, and uh, had Gabriel Jesus been there, you'd have brought him on and he'd have done it. But they didn't have him because he got injured during the tournament uh, and, and, and was, was back in London. So that, that was something that, that definitely helps Croatia get the ball to their midfielders. And then if they didn't threaten, at least they could run the clock down and dictate the, the rhythm of the game. So injuries to Neymar and his colleagues and the fullbacks as well, because they had a Brazil had a crisis with their with their fullbacks. And when you're trying to break down a defence like that, like Croatia's, you need your players from the back. Uh, and it was very unfortunate them. They brought on Alexandro for the last 15 minutes of extra time. Um, but had they had him, he would have been appearing in the attacking line as an element of surprise. They tried to do it on the other flank with Eda Militão who did it heroically, really. He was up and back until he got absolutely exhausted and, and had to be subbed. So uh, in, injuries, I think, were, were tough on Neymar and tough on Brazil as well. Tim, if you had somehow missed the Argentina-Netherlands game and you were just judging who had lost the match based on the post-match interviews of the Argentina players, you might be thinking it was him. I've never seen a, a winning team nursing such a sense of grievance after a big match. This is, this is, this is, very, this is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, not a lot of fun to referee. I don't imagine. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> yeah, the, the the Dutch. I don't know if this is kind of anti South American bias, but the Dutch always seem to get a free pass. Mm. You think of how many times the Dutch have been involved in these kind of shenanigans. No, the the game against Portugal in two thousand six when everyone got booked. The World Cup final against against Spain in in, in the, the young the, the young tackle is what stands out. Yeah, for that yeah. One. Well, you know they they, they and and this game as well. And they're they're a they're a physical side, the Dutch. Uh, and uh, you know if 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 this was Uruguay with their track record, you know, but they always seem to get a free pass. And obviously, there's faults on both sides, and and possibly more faults on the Argentine side. And what. What Pat Edges did, blasting the ball into the Dutch bench, really, really, really isn't permissible. It was, I think, a, a symptom of panic because Argentina appeared to have controlled the game. And this is one of the things that fascinates me about this game, that this is the most experienced coach in the World Cup against the least. And for, for 75 minutes, the least one wins. You know, Argentina did what Ecuador had done against Holland and went to a, went for a back three. And really, all Holland seemed to have is Dumfries down the, down the right flank. You know, I don't seem to have a lot else. And uh, you neutralise him as Ecuador did, and as Argentina did, and Argentina turned him into liability. You know, it's, it's his silly tackle that gives away the, the quite soft penalty that puts Argentina two up. So Argentina are coasting, but firstly, there's always a. Uh, tragedy's never far away. Yeah, you know, yeah. The possibility of tragedy, both on an emotional level, uh, and this is the country of tango after all, and on a level of you always think that defence is, if you put it under pressure, it, it's going to creak. And, and, you know, Holland, in the end, on Van Gaal, he went with his, uh, his full-on Sean Dyke Route 1 Burnley. And poor old Lissandra Martinez was in the land of the Giants suddenly, and they targeted him with the balls to the far post. Uh, and, and suddenly Argentina are panicking and all over the place. And that's why I think some, some of the antics came in. I think it was, it was a manifestation of absolute panic of, you know, we've won this game and it's going to be snatched away from us. What I thought was remarkable was how they recovered, not just for the penalty shootout, but I actually felt in, like a lot of people watching the second half of extra time, they were the team who looked like, actually, we don't want this to go to penalties. We'd like to we'd like to get this done here. And usually, it's it's you think, anyway, the advantage should be with the team who's made the miraculous comeback that Netherlands had had. So I don't know. I'm, this is very much trying to get into the psychology of Argentinian footballers, which might be a futile exercise. But my, my thesis here, Tim, is that they won that penalty shootout or began the process of winning that penalty shootout through their second half extra time performance. I agree, hundred percent. Yes, um, thank you. I wasn't sure as yes, I was trotting it out there. I, I don't have a, an antithesis to your to your thesis <laughs> there because I, I, th I think you're right. You you uh, you would have to question the Dutch. Now, why did the Dutch not continue doing that which had got them back into the game? Uh, and, and Argentina, they threw off the because uh, it was all it was all very controversial. The amount of time added on. Was it a foul on the edge of the box? Everything's being disputed and, and, and contested. Uh, and uh, you would have expected, clearly, the, the, the psychological and physical momentum to, to have been with the Dutch. But Argentina were the only side who played and really, really deserved to get it done in, in the second half of, of extra time. It, it's one of the, in an even game, it's one of the most one-sided extra times I've seen. You know, quite often there are, there are games, let's say Morocco-Portugal or, or Morocco-Spain, when you know one side is going to spend most of the time attacking, if it goes to extra time, then, you know, Morocco, as it did against Spain, Morocco might have 
sporadic chances, but the pattern is going to be with Spain. This Holland-Argentina is even. And it was a very, very one-sided uh, um, extra time, especially the second half. And then we get to the penalties. And there, I think, we see one of the all-time great penalties. One of the most fabulous penalties in the history of, of the taking of penalties. And we're seeing in this tournament, the margins are very, very fine. And taking those penalties is, is, is really important, be it in open play or, 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 or be it from, from the spot. And... Uh, so, sorry, you think you're talking about one specific penalty or, or all yes, the Argentinian? Oh, one okay, specific penalty, which is Argentina's fifth one. It's Lautaro Martinez. Now, oh, let's give him, let, let's give him his moment here. For, let's give this man his moment. I'll play a bit of commentary here for people. Así va Lautaro. Match point, estamos. Vamos, Lautaro, la dejes pasar. Lautaro. So go on then, Tim. What did you love about that? He comes into the tournament as Argentina's centre-forward. Against Saudi, the Saudis in the first game, one-on-one with a goalkeeper. He scores two two terrific goals, great finishes. They're ruled out for the most narrow VAR. If this was Brazil eight years ago, he'd have two goals, he'd be flying. He doesn't get them. They're chalked off. Argentina lose. He doesn't play well next game. He's out the team. He loses place in the team. They bring him on. Closing stages against Poland, closing stages against Australia. They're desperate to get him a goal. And he's a striker going through, on the public stage of the World Cup, going through an absolute crisis of confidence. The goal in his mind looks absolutely tiny. He can't, he can't hit the target. He comes on in this game. He has, a, he has a couple of chances and he forces saves out of the goalkeeper. So he's beginning to, to hit the target again, but he hasn't got a goal. And he steps up to take penalty number five. Now, just the mere willingness to take this, mm-hmm. the vital penalty, this, this tells you this, this fellow is, is, is going to be a great player because he, he's, he's, he is prepared to make himself the villain. He's prepared to make himself ridiculous. Yeah. The context is even more dramatic because Argentina appears to have won the penalty shootout. And again, it's been taken away from them. Holland have scored three in a row. Argentina have missed their previous one. If they miss this one, we're back. Even Stevens, sudden death. So it's such a high-pressure penalty. And he's got every excuse for, for buckling under that pressure. And the goalkeeper's a giant. Mm. You know, you imagine how small the goal must have looked to Lautaro Martinez as he, as he strides up to the penalty shot. And he bashes in. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Now, if, for nothing else alone, Argentina deserved to be in, in the semis just for that moment. Such a great description, I have to say, Tim. We've, have we mentioned Leo Messi yet? What did you make of Messi's performance on and indeed off the field? <laughs> uh, the, the, the first goal, how on earth does he see it, let alone execute it? You know, I, I think we've seen, I don't know if you've seen it, I've seen the view from the, the camera, overhead camera. Mm. How did he see it? Mm. <laughs> no, it's like Mascherano always used to say, you know, he, he, he he's like, as he's playing the game, he's watching it from the best seat in the house. But even from the best seat in the house, you couldn't see that pass. <laughs> and he's, he's delivered it. Uh, magical. Absolutely magical. And off the field, <laughs> he's giving us lots more evidence that he has become Argentine. You know, he's, he's, he's become one of them. He's not Catalan anymore. It's a project that he's been working on with the national team now for, for some three and a half years. Uh, and uh, uh, we, we saw this change in the Copa America in Brazil in 2019 when this side started to form together. Uh, 
Um, he'd obviously sat down and he'd, he'd worked out. He, he was f- beginning to fall out with Barcelona at the time. And if he's going to play for Argentina, he's going to be all in. Uh, and th- there had always been a feeling that his kind of quiet, reserved, self-contained nature was in- in- intimidating the younger players around him. You know, and imagine you get called up for Argentina. All you want to do in training is, is win his respect. And if he doesn't talk, you know, you don't know where you stand with him. And then suddenly in 2019, you couldn't shut him up. He's, uh, the, the, the Argentine journos following the team were saying, you know, on the training ground, in the canteen or whatever, he's vocal, he's encouraging. And in that competition, he talked himself into a, into a suspension in one of his press, post-match press conferences because he, he accused the whole, the whole competition of being corrupt. Uh, you know, it's a bit like watching a striker make a tackle. It's someone who's not used to talking, suddenly starting doing, doing a lot of it. Uh, and uh, now he's, he's just become, he's become full-on full on Argentine. Uh, and he is in harmony with this side in a way that has never been the case, I think, um, for him uh, with Argentina in a World Cup before. England-France, you said that was the game of the tournament for you. There was, a, there was a Brazilian influence there as well, the referee who did not impress some people. It was called a joke by Gary Neville. Yeah, he was awful. He was he was terrible. Uh, he, he was it was a bad choice. Uh, he had he had a he had an absolute mare, um, and well, it was a bad choice because he's coming from a culture where everything's a foul, and uh, he knows he's he's now in an in an atmosphere where it's different. There's an element to the referee. One one of Brazil's biggest referees a few years ago explained this to me. The referee has to be a little bit of a chameleon. He has to bend to what is the prevailing, um, what is the prevailing culture where, wherever he's he's, he's he's being a ref. So uh, he knows that in this th- this game, there's more physical contact allowed. So he tries to let it flow, but he ends up in his own mind totally confused about his own criteria: what is a foul or what isn't a foul. And, you know, VAR has to kind of help him out and maybe one time bent over backwards to help him out too much. Uh, he was terrible. It, it, was, it was an awful, awful performance from him. And no doubt about it, the, the I, I don't believe for a minute that he took the field wanting to benefit one side or the other. But the key decisions that he made clearly were to the detriment of, of England, um, who probably deserved better, although... I think France, if you step back, I think France are the better side. Oh, do you? Because a lot of people, I mean, I felt England probably played better and so did did a lot of people watching. Yeah, and here the Latin languages help us out because in a temporary sense, I think England were the better side on the day. But I think in 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 a general sense, France are the better side. And some of England being better is conditioned by France taking the lead. You always get a feeling that if France really need a goal, they're going to they're going to they're going to find one um so i'm i'm not i'm not bitter about the referee i don't think the referee decided the game um although his uh, sequence of terrible decisions did favor france more more than it did england got, got a couple of penalties there you know two penalties is should, should normally be enough to to get a couple of goals at least yeah yes and and the and the, the second penalty it's just a silly, silly challenge, isn't it? It's it's not like I don't think there was an immediate danger of a goal there. It's not it's not a situation that England had really created. It's a good ball from Bellingham, played into the into the danger area, but it, it's it's one of those silly fouls where 
it's not like the ball being handled on the line as it's just about to roll in. You know, I don't think we've been robbed of a of, of a goal um, by Harry Kane missing the penalty because we hadn't set up the the clear cut chance. It was a fabulous performance by England, and I think England were be- were better on the night. Um, but the margins and now at this level, the margins are just so so tight. Uh, and for me, and maybe I'm 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 too too cold-blooded about these things. But for me, the main thing was it was a fabulous, fabulous game of football. It was it was two hours, really well spe- uh, spent. Um, I think everyone, referee aside, <laughs> deserves full congratulations for putting on such a such a fantastic spectacle. All right, Tim. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tim an old pumpad. We haven't got leaders. They're all just headphones. Inside and outside, blue they don't communicate. You can't get anything out of them. That's why we're no good. They're all just headphones. They don't kick on the pitch. They don't communicate off the pitch. They're all pumpad. Oh, we're getting ready for Russia. Good luck. And then after that, we'll be building a team for Timbuktu. Timbuktu. England reacted to that equaliser perfectly um, no panic calm straight down continue dominating the game playing and staying in Iceland's heart it's been the perfect response you'd think that no problem England will after four minutes and they still lost your guys took a hell of a beating. The only thing that they have got is the big boy up front, Sigurdsson, who really, Sigthorsson. Oh, my oh, word. Oh. Tell us, talk us through that, Steve. I think we know what's happened. Oh, just say, Sigthorsson. <laughs> just cannot. Yeah, it's interesting, Tim. Thought England-France was the the game of the tournament so far because there's a lot of contenders there's a lot of contenders for game of the weekend which I'd have to say I'd probably give to Netherlands Argentina Ken, maybe I mean te- the technical level maybe not the highest in the history of a World Cup <laughs> knockout tie but, but the what, emotional level what could level. possibly make up for that, that uh, te- a technical deficiency yeah, exactly, in your, yeah. your eyes but it did have that like I mean it did have a moment of, of like extreme Extreme, extreme genius is maybe yeah. is maybe putting it a bit, a bit but like a, a really a brilliant moment from uh, from Messi, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Messi's no look pass is fine, but um, it had uh, it, and then it had this this very interesting tactical situation. Um, you know the what Van Hal did in the last ten or fifteen minutes of the or the last more than ten or fifteen minutes of the game, but the way that he he sort of changed the game and changed what was happening in it, uh, and then equalized, and then this this classic uh, free kick routine, which apparently was Veghorst's idea. Uh, according to Van Hal, um, and then all of the you know the 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 usual sort of penalty drama, you know Van Dyke missing the penalty of all people, Van Dyke taking the penalty. Why, you know, what? Just put your best penalty taker first. Score your first penalty. How many teams have we seen in this tournament missing their first penalty? Just Spain did it. Japan did it. Who was it? Uh, Brazil. Brazil did. You know, just score. Fucking score the first penalty. You know. Like, stop thinking about five or, you know, Neymar was like, 
Neymar was absolutely game saying, yeah, I've always taken the fifth penalty in my career. And I couldn't work out what for sure whether Neymar had wanted to take the five or whether Chicha had said, you take it. Uh, and what ne Neymar said, something like, we, we agreed it or it was settled among us before. But I think it's it, the more I heard, the more it sounded like you you wanted this, didn't you? Just don't go for the the glory penalty. Just penalties are like there's a diminishing chance of oh, again. Why am I even going into this? It's so obvious. Just score your first penalty. That should be the main thing. And then everyone feels, oh, we can score penalties. You know, whereas if you miss, everyone's like, oh no, I'm going to miss too. And if we, I'm going to miss as well. And if we miss, then we're you know you don't miss two penalties and survive. Yeah, when, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like the you know the penalty shootouts where it goes to like ten all, eleven all. It's like we, you, we haven't stumbled upon the two best penalty-taking teams of all time here. It's just, it looks easy. Goalkeepers start getting deflated. They're like, oh, what, like, what is going on? I'm completely scrambled here. Yeah, and then, and then your centre half walks up to take the eighth penalty. It's like, it's 11 yards. I just, like, put my foot through it and just put it over there into that side netting part of the net there. And then that's it. Uh, but, like, you miss your first one, you're, in big, you're always in big trouble. Always. So, you know, and that's another reason even I hadn't even thought of the, the 11 all, uh, the 11 all situation. Suddenly it's big verge going up again. You're like, oh, no, we should have really put like, um, I don't, who is their top penalty taker? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, Neymar or whatever was obviously the case for Brazil. But yeah. It, and then, you know, I thought that the stuff afterwards wasn't great, to be honest. Um, I don't know what Argentina were so annoyed about that they felt the need to kind of engage in all this like posturing. But I suppose that's, it's kind of part of what they do. And maybe here we, we, here we got a glimpse of why they're the most hated side among other South American teams who know them better than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was we, talking to a, all, was, all this, all this stuff that you were writing about, Ken, about why the rest of the world loves Argentina. Maybe not, not so much in South America. Sorry, not quite, you were so, talking to... not quite so close to home. No, I was talking to my Argentinian friend last night. Oh, and yeah. He was saying that there, there was actually quite a bit of, Oh well, now did was there really? Should we really have done that after the after the game? You know, in the in their media as well. You know, to which I would say the reply the replies were, yeah, we're fucking Argentina. That's what we do, and we're in the World Cup semi-final, so eat it. Yeah. So, uh, um, so they're in the semi against Croatia revenge game for them after after Croatia humiliated them in the groups in 2018. I think it's going to be another very difficult game. I think Croatia are a very difficult team to beat. Uh, obviously, their midfield is as good as anybody's. Um, Modric, like, how is he still doing it? It's a mystery. Modric, uh, Brozovic, Kovacic, really good little triangle that they have. And then Guardiol, who's playing so brilliantly for them. The goalkeeper has been excellent. Uh, the one thing about them is they, they don't really have much up front now. Like, I mean, the last time they had Mandzukic, um, now it's yeah the the you know it's not great. I mean Perisic, I haven't even mentioned he's he's been such a, a brilliant player in the World Cup. So it's another difficult game, but surely Argentina. I think they'd rather play Croatia than Brazil, in terms of who, who you know who do we think we're going to get to the, get past to the final. Um, and then the other side is Morocco France. I think France are going to win, but as I said, I am wrong about everything. So. There was uh, there was an awful event, Ken, at the Argentina match. Uh, people are aware of this now, I'm sure. Grant Wall, the US journalist, 
died after suffering an apparent heart attack at the stadium where he was covering the game. Grant was with Sports Illustrated for many years before going out on his own more recently doing his Substack column. He was correspondent for CBS Sports as well. A re- like a really big figure in football journalism. This is just this is just dreadful stuff. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was during the penalties that I started to get messages. It wasn't, it wasn't, or it was before the penalties. It was during, I think, the second half of extra time that I started to get messages from the people who were actually there in the ground and could see that this was happening. I think it was around 12.38 that the first messages came from people who said, there's a medical emergency here, there's some kind of commotion. And then it, within a couple of minutes, someone else had said, I think it's Grant. Uh, this is obviously very shocking. I mean, Grant Wall is someone who... We have known since probably 2004, 2005 sort of time. I and mean, we, we used to talk to him a lot mm. on uh, on Off the Ball about uh, uh, American football, American soccer, I suppose. Uh, yeah, he wrote the, the, the really good book on Beckham, the Beckham experiments. Uh, which had the story about Beckham uh, refusing to pay for everyone's dinner and earning oh, them again yeah. alligator arms. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, he, he took he, he took out his yeah. he took his teammates out. Some of whom were making like twenty two thousand dollars a year or whatever. And Beckham brings them all out for some fancy dinner, but then doesn't pay as they were all expecting, and so they started calling him alligator arms. <sighs> that was one of the things I remember. But yeah, and uh, and I've met him uh, numerous occasions at World Cups. Did, I met him at the MLS Cup us. final. Yeah, he did. He did a live show with us in New York. In, uh, yeah, in New York. Yeah, in New York. Yeah. And that was in 2016. Uh, and he was 48 years old. And if you saw him, you would think he was, he looks, you know, he a fit and healthy guy who, he, he looks like the kind of guy who, who goes cycling on, on the weekends. You know, that's the kind of, that was his appearance. <clears throat> For this to happen, it's just, it was just felt so shocking and un, unreal. Like I couldn't, couldn't believe that this was, you, you know, it's just, it, it kind of, the the sense of reality of it actually hasn't even really dawned on me. I think for the people who were there, it was it was different. It was a really horrifying experience. The game obviously continued. Um, this is extra time, Argentina, and everyone's going crazy. The, the crowd is going crazy. There's people cheering and booing and taunting each other. The bench is fighting, you know, and 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 just um, a few meters above them in the stand, man is dying, and he was there for more than 20 minutes in the press box um, with the with the medics the resuscitation team i spoke to a friend of his who said that uh that the the medics had come almost immediately inside inside a minute were with him once the alarm had been raised by the people sitting near him who saw that he had collapsed and the medics came very quickly and uh, were working on him for a long time for more than 20 minutes before they brought him out but unfortunately he did not survive and yeah they had left a uh flowers and, and, a, and a picture of him on the desk where he was going to be sitting for the semi-final last night so uh, uh i mean just, for his family for, for his for his yeah. wife for his for his brother it's it's horrific and it's 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 absurd and to be honest you know i have a, that awful feeling of when somebody dies suddenly and you wish that you had kind of made it clear to them that you you know how much uh respect or esteem you had for them while you still had a chance yeah 
Yeah, okay. Uh, the, I think it's well put. The US Soccer Federation put out a statement saying the entire US soccer family is heartbroken to learn that we have lost Grant Wall. Here in the United States, Grant's passion for soccer and commitment to elevating its profile across our sporting landscape played a major role in helping to drive interest in and respect for our beautiful game. As important, Grant's belief in the power of the game to advance human rights was and will remain an inspiration to all. I think a lot of people will know that he was in the news earlier in this tournament when he wore a rainbow t-shirt to the USA versus Wales game. He was detained by security staff um, at that game. So our condolences to, to Grant's friends and family, like you say, Ken, and to all of Grant's colleagues, especially those who were there when it happened, as you mentioned. I mean, it's obviously extremely traumatic for them and just, just an awful night for for everyone who knew him really. We'll be back during the week with semi-final coverage on the World Service. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks so much for listening. The Second Captain's Podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.